0: what is happening guys Danny Feng here and today we have a special episode we are gonna do a little small break from the audio series and jump into this uh amazing special episode um with a guest uh speaker on the show my podcast show so in this episode we have a very very special guest His name is Pat McGowan. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right, Pat. But for those who don't know who Pat is, he is the entrepreneur, the founder, the creator of a platform called Blackbox. So if you guys don't know what Blackbox is, first off, I'm gonna put the description in, I'm gonna put the link in the description below so you guys can go check it out. In a nutshell, what Blackbox is, it's basically a platform platform that they help you sell stock footages. And that is literally just the tip of the iceberg of the concept behind Black Box because as you will hear in this podcast, we get really deep into the philosophy of Black Box and how this can benefit us creatives and how this can um, create new opportunities for all of us. And um, this episode is just super, super interesting. And I had a great time speaking with Pat about... Um, all kinds of things about him uh, you know his journey as a filmmaker um, his journey as an entrepreneur um, how he came around to make Black Box um, um, you know how he sees the industry right now where the industry is going and all that kind of stuff so I hope this episode brings you guys some uh, some value some value some interesting insights and bring you some uh, funny stories as well that I hope is uh, I hope this podcast is also entertaining in some way um, I found it very entertaining. At least, I know Pat was very entertaining. I don't think I was very entertaining. Um, I didn't even talk that much. I think I think I was more. I was so into the conversation that I was doing more listening than just yapping on and and um, trying to throw in my two cents. Because I think there isn't much of a two cent that 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 I wanted to throw in. I think it was just more about listening, just listening to an experienced uh, creative human being and uh, just listening to his story as and um, and everything that he needs to share but without further ado i don't want to keep on yapping on and explain to you what this episode is all about so we're just going to jump straight into the episode and i hope you guys enjoy it here we go Okay, Pat, um, first off, I just want to say thank you for, um, for jumping on board on, on my podcast show. and I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to our conversation, what we're going to talk about and kind of explore your, um, your journey as a filmmaker. And also, we're also going to talk about your, um, your brand, uh, Blackbox, and what that platform is all about. So, yeah, thank you for coming on.
1: Well, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, Danny.
0: Well, Pat, so... Um, so for the people who don't know you, uh, can you just briefly just explain to us like, you know, who you are, what, what is it that you do, and you know, how long have you been a filmmaker, entrepreneur?
1: Well, I think I was born as an entrepreneur, so I, I believe it's a genetic defect, actually. <laughs> but uh, as far as being a filmmaker goes, my journey was, uh, was convoluted, and I think it's the same for a lot of people. Um, when I was growing up, filmmaking was not an option in my family I, it wasn 't a filmmaking town i didn 't grow up in l a uh, and my my parents were both scientists and they 're you know as soon as they Heard that I was getting involved in this stuff. They're like, "What is that?" You know, <laughs> I don't. I don't even think they really know what I do now. To be honest with you, they, they don't have a frame of reference. So my journey was um, when I was growing up, I was close to nature and I was an inquisitive kid. But I had scientist parents, so I was driven towards the science end. So, uh, but my mother always pushed music on us, so you know we were forced to do piano. And um, you know, I had a little bit of talent, so it was good. So, really, what I ended up becoming was this uh, science guy slash music guy. Hmm. And I was also really into photography. So, I was like, I was into, you know, uh, into the arts uh, and particularly the media arts. So, I kind of became, I went to uh, pre meds at the University of Toronto here in Canada and uh, loved everything, uh, but I was drawn towards music. And I'll never forget. A friend of mine was doing a recording session in Toronto at a studio and he needed a piano player. So he called me up and he said, let's, let's do this thing. And I said, great. I'll never forget walking into that studio and the feeling that I was home. Right. It was remarkable. It was very, very powerful. So mm. I quit school. And I followed the path of being a musician. I, it was, uh, you know, uh, uh, playing in uh, bands in, uh, you know, clubs and so on, and had a bunch of recording dates. Did you uh, sing as well,
0: a... or is it just piano? No,
1: I'm not a singer, but my right. I, I play I play keyboard. I was that '80s keyboards guy with the big <laughs> hair. <laughs> And uh, and my wife is a singer, and I also play saxophone. So it was pretty cool, and we had a wonderful, wonderful life. And then a buddy of mine uh, was making a music video for the band that I was in, and I just became engaged with the process, so that led me into Audio Post. So I was a composer, you know, with a big MIDI rig, um, and uh, so I became a composer, Audio Post guy, That led me into picture and I converted over to picture full time in 1996. So I'm a 22-year-old veteran of the video and film industry. My passion is really broad. Um, I love doing uh, production work uh, where it involves kind of quasi-documentary approach. Um, Interviewing people is a particular passion and talent of mine. I really like doing it. I do camera. I work in big teams. I work in small teams. We've worked on, you know, uh, some Netflix movies. Uh, we've done a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of corporate work, marketing, advertising, and uh, you know, I just love it all. And my personal passion is wildlife cinematography. So I like going alone to very remote areas in Canada, the Arctic in particular and trying to capture landscapes and animals. And that's really what led me into stock footage. When I realized that I could make more money by converting my footage into a market commodity rather than just taking a fee and handing over the content to my client. Right. That was, that was a huge turning point for me when I, when I figured that out. And that's what led me into forming Black Box so that other creators can make the same transition and uh, and you know get some freedom in their life, basically, and that's the real objective there.
0: Amazing. Um- before we jump into the whole black box uh, realm, I, I would love to hear what is it that got you into wildlife filmmaking? Because I know your area that you're like, um, super passionate about now, because I like I saw a lot of uh, like, I think just with, through your Facebook, like pictures and things like that. And uh, do, do you feel is it because that you're you're more connected with nature? And that's why it's something that's uh, something that draws you to that kind of um, realm, that kind of area?
1: Well, you know, there are many levels to this. Um, my father was a was a veterinarian. So we were exposed to animals at a scientific level very early in our lives my, myself and my my uh, my brothers that's a big part of it the, the other part of it is, is I just really like being out in uh, in nature and uh, you know there's nothing that beats you know sleeping in a tent on sea ice 10 miles from shore and having a big bunch of pack ice go by and maybe a bowhead whale shows up or a polar bear or narwhals <laughs> and you know you can't describe it you have to do this to really understand how it feels and to be part of nature and to commune with nature and then to capture those images is it's just a true honor actually to be able to do that work and just that just and then you know so you know your earlier question was you know I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a filmmaker and that's where it really starts to get interesting because my entrepreneur's mind Starts to think about okay, how can I do this? How can I for, how can I forge relationships so I can do this more? How can I make money so that I can do this without? And, and no disrespect to the client or the gig life, but honestly, I love the fact that I do this without a client and without a gig.
0: Everything under I, your own terms, basically.
1: Yeah, and I make more money. Not right away. You make more money in the long run than you will by by doing it as a gig. Uh, so when you when you put all of that together, you know you can't beat it. And and what got me started actually was a gig uh, where we were doing a wildlife series for a client here in Canada, and uh, it put me out into the wild. And um, I had been missing it so much that it just feeds your soul. And then I started to think about okay, how can we how can we turn this into something long term, productive, and sustainable. Hmm. And we do we do really cool work. Like uh, we get up close and personal with uh, polar bears, grizzly bears, anything, any animal you can think of. But I'm I have a real affinity for bears. I absolutely I <laughs> love never, them so I've much. I've never
0: seen a bear like 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 in in very close. Per- proximity so can you just tell me that experience a little bit because I'm very curious have you had any like uh, situations where it got a little bit dangerous or, or something like that
1: well I th- no ab- absolutely not and mm. one of one of my upcoming projects is actually a film about grizzly bears that well, nice. completely debunks all of the nonsense information that's out there about these animals um, because in fact uh, and this is going to sound crazy to everybody but grizzly bears are highly intelligent Nurturing, trusting, intelligent, and in fact, gentle animals, so when you learn when you learn them or when you learn about them and you and you you know you kind of commune with them on in their own space uh, there's really there's always risk in life you know there's there's a possibility that something can go wrong um, I believe that Driving to work on the freeway is about ten times more dangerous than being in grizzly bear country. There's really, you know, like I said, there's risk everywhere. But if you know what to do and how to behave and how to read the signs and how to understand these animals uh, in their home, then you have no problems. And and in fact, when you size one up through a six hundred millimeter lens. Hmm. And their mouth is filling the frame you know you know you 're close right <laughs> now. I have to be careful because i 'm not going to recommend that people go you know hang out with grizzly bears and try to get close to them that 's stupid you don 't mm. do that, but when you are in their territory, they may actually you know tolerate you. they usually do and uh, and so the closest encounter i 've ever had was we were in uh, up in Alaska. And there was a big female lying in a mud hole on the beach waiting to go fishing. And she was huge. I mean, she was a big bear. We estimated her at 12 to 1300 pounds. So, you know, um, I often say she's the size of a, of a car. Uh, at any rate, so we watched her for about two hours in the rain. And you have to be very patient when you do this work. And you're cold and miserable and you're wet and uh, you're waiting for this bear to do something. And all of a sudden, she just rolled out of her hole and was on all fours. She didn't go to, she didn't stand up like you see in the movies. Although they, bears do do that frequently to to scope out, but she didn't need to. She could see us, and we were probably we were about a hundred meters away. And she decided, which is minimum safe distance for bears, and she decided to walk right towards us. Oh wow! And, and she's a big bear. So um I've got her in my viewfinder and I'm shooting, shooting, shooting. And uh the guide that we were with, you know, I basically tell him, if I have to come off the viewfinder, you just give me a tap on the shoulder and then tell me what to do. Right. So um she approached, <clears throat> she got within fifteen feet. I can't shoot anymore because all I've got is fur on my telephoto. <laughs> right. So now I come off the viewfinder, and I'm eye to eye with this bear from 15 feet away. And she's still moving. And then she just changed her direction a little bit, and she just walked right past us. And, uh, but, you know, knowing a little bit about bears, we knew that she was not threatened. Her, her body language was telling us that she was very comfortable, really chill. And uh, at that point, you know, I actually said good morning to her, and she kind of looked at me, and she gave me the bear look. Which is like a sidelong glance, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then went on her way. And we spent about two days with her, and I have some really remarkable footage of her just being a bear. So you know, for me, that was that was a remarkable experience because it was my first close contact with a grizzly bear. Once you know, once you know the territory, once you know what you're doing, uh, I'm not going to say it's a safe activity, but I am going to say that it's uh, it's not as risky as people make it out to be and and it just you know it's a thrill it's a thrill of a lifetime to to be able to do this work and it's even more of a thrill to be able to you know actually sustain my family and have the freedom to do that work without a shot list and without the demands of production right right so it's it's pretty awesome
0: i can imagine and uh Mm -hmm. I, I, i just can't picture myself like in the wilderness just um filming bears i think the, that'll that be incredible because I, I i'm a huge advocate on on like naturing and hiking and all this kind of stuff i mean i'm i'm, I'm based in berlin now so i'm like really deep in the city but uh, back home where mm-hmm. I, where i was born and raised in cyprus so in cyprus you know it's like it takes about 10 minutes or, or so driving to go into wilderness i always loved like kind of filming you know like nature and all kinds of things we don't have bears there obviously but uh, yeah. we have all kinds of like wildlife over there which is incredible which now like Growing up, I took the space for granted. And now, mm-hmm. now thinking of it, I'm just like, damn, I should have shot all these footages and saved it. Because there were some footages that I kind of just saved. I'm just like, I'm never going to use it. And I deleted it, you know. So, like, had I had that, I would have probably, like, you know, dropped it on a black box or something like that, you
1: know. Cause. Oh, that would be, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, the, really, it's, it's just... Uh, I've been blessed. I've been really lucky. I've had, I've had an incredible career. I've had... Um, you know, everything that you could ever want. I've had a great deal of freedom. I've been able to be who I am uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, as a guy who really loves tech. Uh, You know, I'm a camera geek and I I love it. I love Mm. process. I love working with other people. I love doing interesting projects, you know. So, you know, the kind of work that I did for, for a long time... You're exposed to so many different subject matters, you know, so I'm not saying that I would want to leave that entirely, but what I want to be able to do is be more choosy. One of the things that's great is that I don't, I don't have to accept work that's being offered at low rates. And there's a real, there's a trend in the market to lower rates today for a whole bunch of reasons, and I, and I would like to go through that because that's that's what is the disruption that's happening in our market that's really deeply affecting creators like you and me. Now, you're younger than I am, so you, you kind of don't have direct experience on what it was like when the market was functioning uh, better
0: Definitely
1: <laughs> for, for service creators, right? Um, but that's changed just dramatically in the last three to five years. And it happened really, really fast. So, yeah, I mean, do you want to kind of go into that now or did you have another question you wanted to do first? No, no, no. I
0: mean, this is super interesting, so I'm just listening, yeah. Uh,
1: You know, filmmaking as a a working creator, as a service provider, has never made anybody rich. But what it's done is it's created rich lives for them. Hmm. So you get to work with other professionals. You get to, you know, do interesting work and you know it's not an assembly line job and it's not a high pressure white collar job either you know it was a great life and you basically you set your rate and you would generally get your rate if you were good at what you did and um and everything was fine until something happened so what happened was what i call a kind of a three part disruption all right so the first disruption started many years ago with technology becoming cheaper and more readily available. And it actually start, It didn't start in the camera department. It started in post. And it's when Avid came along and gradually displaced large edit bays. You were able to do post, cheaper, better, faster. Well, I wouldn't say better, but cheaper, faster. And you could actually eventually, now we're to the point where you can edit a a feature film on your laptop at Starbucks. Okay, so that affected rate because the market responded by devaluing labor instead of devaluing the capital portion and the rent portion of running an edit bay. So uh, what happened was editors uh, became stuck on their rates. So when you think about it, and I, I know there's people out there that are thinking, hmm, you know, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that rates have not gone up in 20 years, okay? So to do the work you do as an editor, your rate has been the same for 20 years. It's probably even gone, well, it has gone down recently. So that happened anyways. Rates stagnated because technology became more available, okay? So that's, that's disruption point one. And then one B is the arrival of DSLRs. And now we're seeing a wave of cheaper cinema cameras, So, like, a Panasonic EVA1, it's not an Arri. It's not an Alexa, and it's not a Red, but it's damn close, okay? A C300 Mark II, damn close. Sony's products, damn close. I have an iPhone X that I just got, and I'll tell you... It, it actually freaks me out how good the video is on this device. A little creepy. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it's creepy, but it's also liberating. And yeah, I think yeah, that's definitely. really where we, where we want to go with this discussion is the liberating part. But we do have to go through what happened. So what happened was we had disruption at the technical level. So edit, edit systems and acquisition systems, camera, have gotten to the point where they are ubiquitous tools and they're readily available. So you got to think of it this way. If I give you a violin, are you going to play in a concert hall anytime soon? Obviously well, <laughs> no, you're not going to because you may have no talent and you probably haven't done the work and you would suck at it. So no one's going to put you on stage in, in a theater. But, but we have a problem because actually anybody can make video and gain attention and so therefore the craft level has kind of split where we've got the craft level very high at the feature film and, and series level, and the craft level is lower down in, you know, social media, and uh, and I don't want to disparage YouTube because YouTube's an amazing thing. But at that level, a DIY, you can actually make completely serviceable content with an iPhone X, and if you're talented, you're going get audience. But if you're not talented, you're going to clog the system. So in working in terms of service work for marketing communications and that kind of stuff, we're seeing a bottom layer that is low quality, hmm. that is uh, is muddying the waters in terms of people, the client's perception of what value is. So it's a problem because they carved out, like a, probably 50% of the service market has been carved out as as super low cost. And that really hurts people that are trying to make a living at this because all of a sudden half of their market just disappeared. And now they're fighting... For the other half, and prices are going down. So that's the second part of the disruption is the labor disruption. Okay, so we have more people fighting for less work. Basically, it's really, really simple. So if you're a 55-year-old guy that's used to getting $800 a day, you're not getting offered that anymore. You're getting offered less. And if you're a 25-year-old guy and you know you're new to the business and you're perfectly happy with $300 a day then you're taking the work at $300 a day and that's not to disparage the 25 year old guy because the 25 guy or girl I don't want to be gender specific because there are a lot of very talented women working in the industry and they're doing very well but anyways my point is is that labor is cheaper because of the ability to acquire equipment and training and here's where youtube comes in because uh, uh, you know, blogs like yours or uh, podcasts, all that kind of thing. People are becoming more proficient faster. And the 25-year-old practitioner, by the way, if they're talented and they have access to tools and training, they're doing really good work. They're just doing really good work for lower money. It's a, it's a big shift. So this labor shift has happened. But this is, all, this is all based on the gig or the service or the contract or the job market. Okay, so this is paid labor. So, access to technology, easier and cheaper, access to labor, cheaper and probably just as good. So, the quality of the labor hasn't really dropped in the paying scenario, it's really just the rates. These are the observations of a guy that's been in the market for a while. And, you know, at the height of my production company, I, had, I think we had 40 employees on the payroll. And we were probably hiring 30 or 40 contractors in addition to that. So we were a sizable company, and we really got hit by this shift three to four years ago. I mean, we really did. But even that's not the big one, right? Because we were a bricks-and-mortar company. We had rent to pay. We had equipment leases to pay. We had salaries to pay. We had benefits. We had insurance. We had vehicles. We had lots and lots of costs. And so when that price shift happened, and I know people out there listening who own production companies are just nodding their heads and going, that's absolutely right, because this is universal globally. These, these, these effects are global effects. They're not just limited to North America or Europe or anything like that. They're all over the world. And I hear this from our black box members all the time. So this resonates with them. Okay, so that's not even the big piece though. So those are, those are pieces that did affect the service market. Uh, but the big problem is the platformization and commoditization of content. So again, I'm not I'm I'm re- merely here as an observer. I'm not here to say you know fuck the man or anything like that, <laughs> uh, because you can't fight trends like this. Right? You can sit there and say, hey man, I wish things would go back to the way they are. Well, I got news for you. It's not going to go back. These changes are permanent and and they're probably going to deepen. And the only way to respond is to adapt. So, so the biggest shift, as I was saying, is when Netflix decided that content was $10 a month, all you can eat, that was the ultimate commodification because prior to that, you were paying big cable fees to access content as a consumer or you were going to the theater and paying a ticket price. Those were your two options. And then when streaming started to come along, yeah, there was, you know, there were pirate pirate downloads and all that. But there was no consolidated service. Uh, YouTube was first and and then we started to see these other services. But when Netflix Netflix made their transition to online delivery and they put a price tag on monthly content, that changed everything. So now we live in a world where content is commodified. And that's all there is to it. So the only way a commodified market can function is if you have reach to consumer. So the the whole distribution piece has turned well it's turned Hollywood upside down, but it's also turned production companies upside down because the perception of value is now how much can I get for 10.99 a month or whatever the price is. Uh, same with uh, with Amazon, same with Hulu, same with all of these services that are coming on. Uh, YouTube is uh, about to make a very big move in this regard. Who knows? Um, other platforms may emerge. So, so what we're faced with now as creators, so let's change the focus and say, what are we faced with as creators, as individual creators? Well, we've been given the tools to be free and autonomous, right? So that means we don't have to work with big teams anymore. You know, there's lots of people out there who, who are doing it all themselves. Themselves. I don't necessarily think that's the best way, but I come from a more traditional background um, where we had specialists doing these jobs. Because you have technology, and because you you have um, you know the freedom to service a client on your own, it really doesn't mean you have freedom at all because you're still being governed by this big movement in in point number three, which is the commodification of content. So now you're faced with uh, people who believe that content is. Uh, is is a piece that they can use, right, for a very low dollar. So I said to myself, okay, and I realized this, it all came to me, uh, you know, one day I was sitting in my boardroom just really worried, really worried about what was happening and feeling trapped. And I decided to change my thinking and to look at what I did as a commodity, to accept the fact that content is a commodity, and that I am a maker of a commodified service, but I'm also the maker of, con- of content. And that led me to believe and to conclude that owning content is the key to survival in the new digital economy. And that's why I created Black Box. Because when you own your content, the content that you make, then you have more power in the marketplace. So you can access through these platforms, global audience, which will deliver to you what we call long-tail revenue. Or people call it residuals, but we call it long-tail revenue. Because most of the money under the curve happens years out. Long-tail money. But you cannot access long-tail money when you are a worker. So our our theory is that we need creators to have a place where they can stop working and start earning from the content that they own. So does that resonate with you?
0: Definitely. Yeah, it's something that definitely resonates with me. And especially when I discovered Blackbox, you know, instantly I jumped on board. Like when I went on your website, I was just like, yes, this is exactly, you know, something that, that is something that I believe in. Like, you know, how I see the market like exactly how you described it. Basically, and I and I also think like now it's it's a really good segue to jump into uh, black box as well because I would love to talk a little bit more about that. Just for the you know people who don't know what black is, can you just tell us a little bit about the platform black box and um, how did you come up with black box and more specifically, just uh, talking about what black box is all about and what is sure. you're trying to give to us creatives.
1: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the various markets for for content. Sure. So. Um, there's a market for YouTube. So we see a lot of YouTube content being generated. And now we're seeing large media outlets like BuzzFeed, for example, generating content for YouTube. So that's already started. Okay, so YouTube is a cool, really cool thing because it's basically DIY video, but it can also be produced video at all these different levels in the spectrum. So I think it's amazing. And so there's an opportunity there for people to make and own their content and, uh, and as teams alone or in teams and develop revenue. Then we have um, the other markets which are the Netflix market. Now Netflix's business plan these days seems to be to pay people to make content that Netflix will own so that Netflix will derive the long-tail benefit. Not sure if that's going to be a permanent solution for Netflix. I I think they're going to end up in a blend where they will do some of that. Uh, You know, it's been, I mean, rumor has it that they spent $23 billion on content last year. But they did it within the work model. So uh, they weren't going out and saying, we're going to partner with a production company. They were going out and saying, we're going to hire you to make this stuff. No disrespect to uh, Netflix, but as a manufacturer, they're looking for the lowest rate on production. So this further uh, moves along this idea of, uh, of work becoming less valuable. So they're looking to make content cheaper uh, so that means they want cheaper rates from the studios, the camera department, from everybody in their supply chain. And that's all part of disruption. You know, no disrespect to anybody. These are big market forces, and we just need to understand them so that we can find our place within this spectrum as creators. So you've got that level. And then there's another market that's really interesting, and that's this stock footage market, where I've got clients who used to hire us to go out and shoot stuff for them who are now populating their timelines with stock footage. So I said, well, I've got lots of archive footage. I'm gonna put it on these platforms and see how I do. And I did very well. So the real genesis of Black Box was two things. First of all, my realization that I could make money long tail with content that I already owned that nobody was paying me for anymore and, uh, and wouldn't pay me to do the work. So why don't I just go out and shoot and put it on these platforms and I actually make more money than somebody would be willing to pay me to do the same work? It's just a matter of timing on when the cash arrives. You don't get the you don't get the paycheck thirty or sixty days out. You get the paycheck you know over a period of years, but you make more money, and, I, and that's amazing. Okay, so there's that, and then the other genesis was this just broader realization of understanding the market dynamics and saying, I think we can adapt. And I think we can do this differently as creators. Black Box came out of that that real, my, my entrepreneur's mind, but it also came out of my creator's mind because I've got a family to feed too. I'm not a rich man. My philosophy has always been that teamwork is better than, like, you know, collaborating is better than competition, right? Definitely. Like, Danny, I don't want to compete with you. If you and I can work together on making good product, let's do that. So we built a, a big collaborative part into Black Box. And really, I believe it's the foundation of the platform. So the platform does a few key things. First of all, we started in stock footage. But our ambitions are to make feature films this way, and music albums, and, 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 gaming, whatever. Okay, anywhere, anything. We want to make blockbuster feature films as Black Box collaborators. And we can do it for all the reasons stated above. Okay, so we've got access to technology easier and better, and most people own their own gear. We've got labor that is willing to give it up for uh, doing great work. And and I don't mean give it up, I mean like just give up the paycheck and take the risk on making content that they think has market value long term. Right? So that's a really key factor. Mm. And we have distribution outlets that are global that are going to be looking for content because they've got a content consumption machine. And there will be more competition in that space. So Netflix will not own the market. They won't. Amazon's coming on strong. Hulu's coming on strong. Disney's coming on strong. We're going to see more platforms, not fewer. So that means that creators will have more outlets, but only if they can organize themselves into viable business units. Now, our business unit is really unique because it's not a company that you work for. It's a community and platform that you use to make your life better. I'm going to repeat that. So Blackbox is designed as a platform and a community that you use as a creator to make your life better. That's how I built it. That's what it does. So and that's not a sales pitch. You don't want to join Black Box? Totally your choice, man. Like, no sweat. There, there, there's no, there's absolutely zero pressure here. But what we what we are doing, uh, and this is going to sound, it's hard to actually talk about this without it sounding like a slogan, so I, I apologize. <laughs> and I know oh millennials in particular really hate this shit. <laughs> uh, so I'm not selling to anybody. What we're doing is is we, we came up with a, an idea and a concept, and we built a platform, and we want you to take advantage of it. And yeah, I'll make money, definitely. I don't think that's a crime. But, uh, you know, no, no problem there. But uh, So really what we want to do is invite people to consider why they got into this game in the first place. And most of us got into it because we wanted freedom. So what the platform does is it gives you the freedom to make the content you want with the people you want to make it with, where you want to make it, and then access global markets with no hassle. And so it's kind of getting back to the point of how fragmented we all are. Today, if you're a YouTuber, it's up to you to make the content, right? You're gonna call in lots of favors to make that content because you don't have the cash flow to pay people unless you're a big YouTuber and, and then maybe you hire people. But I would prefer to think that you bring them in as a partner, right, to help you make great content and share in the proceeds. Right, so so it's 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 more egalitarian, uh, but then you got to do your own marketing. So if you're a YouTuber that sucks at marketing, you're not going to succeed. So why not bring in a marketer as a Black Box partner? So why not use Black Box and make a marketer one of your collaborators? And that way, you don't have to do the marketing, because maybe you suck at it or maybe you hate it, but you have to do it anyway. So the real opportunity here is you can do what you love to do. You can do the piece that you love to do. Right? So I'm going to use an obtuse example, but let's say you're really into miniatures and you want to do time-lapse videos of miniatures for kids. And your thing is making these miniatures right, and doing time-lapse, but you suck at marketing. So how well is your channel going to do? But well, what happens if there's a black box member who's a, like a pro marketer for that sector and they come in and they say, yeah, I'm going to do your marketing for you and I want 30% to do that. Great. You mm-hmm. make them what we call a sharer in the content. And so now you've got three three kind of people working together. We're not people, enti- entities. So you've got you who makes the content, and maybe you've got an assistant who you bring in as, as another collaborator. Or maybe maybe you're not good at the post, so you bring an editor in, and they're a collaborator. No one's getting paid to do the work. And remember, work is in quotation marks. So this is not work. This is making stuff as creators in a completely free Environment, and then Black Box comes in and says, "We are going to do two things for you." So Black Box does two really critical functions. Number one, it gets you to global markets because we're we have developed relationships with the stock footage houses, and we're developing relationships with the other players. Okay, so we're developing relationships with a lot of people right now, and I can't really talk about it, but we're very close to being able to do uh, the bigger piece.
0: So, uh, sorry to interrupt, but what are the current... Uh, just for the people who don't know, what are the current um, companies that you're associated with at the moment with Blackbox? Cause, so, for example, I know that um, Adobe Stock is w- is one of them and Pond5 and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: right now we're dealing with uh, Shutterstock, VideoBlocks, now StoryBlocks, uh, Adobe, and Pond5. And a lot of people say, well, why don't you go to more agencies? I say, because they don't the sales aren't there. So we want to we want to make sure that the creators that are involved in Black Box get access to the most valuable market uh, possible. So we put our emphasis on those four platforms because those are the four platforms that do probably 98% of the sales in the market, right? So we don't want to waste people's time. You know, and for example, a lot of people say to me, well, Stock Submitter goes to 30 platforms. I go, well, that's great. How many sales have you made on anything other than the four that we deal with? Uh, And the answer is probably none. So like we've experimented. We we look at this as our responsibility is to get creators the best value so they can have better lives. It really is. It's a philosophy. I want you to have a better life as a creator because there's more to this whole thing. Anyways, I w- I was explaining kind of what our key advantages are, but so number 1 is access to market for creators without hassle. But number 2 is the ability to collaborate and share in the revenue. So to collaborate and share in the revenue, this is very important. So if you and I collaborate on something, Danny, quite frankly, I don't want you handling my money. And I don't think you want me handling your money. So we developed a platform where Blackbox handles the money and makes sure that you get paid your share and I get paid my share. Because if something happens to me, what happens to your money? Or if something happens to you and you control the transactions, or if you move away and I can't find you, you know, whatever.
0: It just eliminates the part of a uh, factor that could break the yes. the creative flow, well, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, let's face it, creators are generally, you know, less interested in, in doing the business stuff. The business side. Right? Yeah. So, really, what Blackbox does is Blackbox does the business shit that you hate doing, right? So, <laughs> and then yeah. it adds this other dimension, which is building this community. Where we can all work together. Because I'm going I'm to tell you one thing that I absolutely fervently believe is that almost every creator that I've ever met has the same characteristics, okay? So, like, I meet a lot of creators in, in my career, but I'm meeting a lot more now. And I, I'm going to tell you, generally, creators are talented, they're smart, they're kind, they're generous... They are collaborative, they love working together. And what's happened through all this, this, this transformation in our market is that we've been forced to be individual practitioners because the production companies are breaking apart. So you can't go to that company where you collaborate with your buddies, you know, your coworkers every day. Um, so you're left to your own devices. So now you've got your camera and your edit system and you, and you're out there trying to make it work Alone. So now you got to do your own sales, you got to do your own accounting, you got to do your own marketing, you know, you've got to do your own distribution. And these promises of DIY are only for the creators that are entrepreneurial and have business skills. Everybody else is getting left out in the cold. And then they're digging around for work at like a half or a third of what they should be getting paid. So to me, that's a dystopic future. Like, I, I don't think that's a future that I want to be part of honestly, because what we're doing is we're leaving a lot of talent and great content on the ground. So what we've done is we've said, okay, creators, millennials in particular, and by the way, I don't want to sound like Donald Trump here, but I love millennials. I think this is one of the brightest, most creative, dynamic generations we've ever seen and but one of the problems with millennials is that they've kind of bought into this this false reality of individualism being paramount well individualism is not paramount in filmmaking filmmaking is a team sport has to be you cannot make good content alone i'm sorry it's not possible any more than you can have an orchestra of one person or a surgical team of one person okay You can't do it. It's impossible. So, but since the structures are gone, right? And now we're in the position where we're being asked to work for very, very large multinational companies. And by their very nature, they can't care about you. They can say they do, but they can't. They're not, it's just impossible. So we're doing something really crazy. We're saying, let's build a virtual community where there's a huge amount of freedom and the binding element And the most important element, and really the only element that matters, is the content. Because content, I have this saying, I say content is not king. Okay, distribution is king and always will be. So if someone tells you content is king, I would take issue with that. But content is the kingdom. Okay, so without the kingdom, there is no king. So what we have to do is realize that we actually have a great deal of power and a great deal of control, but not as individuals. So what, what I attempted to create at Black box was this very free, transparent, and open platform and global community that binds creators together as the good people that we are and allows us to make awesome content, either alone or in teams, and gain access to global markets, make more money, and have better lives. But there's another point to this that's amazing that I I love almost better than the main thing, and that is we have the ability to actually make change in the world. So you talk about bears earlier. Well, what if you came to me and said, hey, Pat, um, I know you've got a lot of bear content. I want to make a documentary, and I've got a team together. I've got a writer, a director, I've got a composer, I've got a voiceover artist, and I want to produce it. Um, Can I use your bear footage and we'll, uh, we'll give you a percentage based on the value of the footage. And I would say, yeah, show me your script, right? Show me what you've got. I'm interested. Why wouldn't I, right? So you are not have to buy my footage. You can use it in return for me getting a piece of your product, of your content. That's the black box way. That's what we've designed. But even better than that, we could agree that 10% of the total revenue of the content that we're generating... Goes to the Great Bear Rainforest Preservation Society. So now we can actually say thank you, bears, for being so awesome. We're actually going to help you by by donating a portion of our of our work to you, so that you can actually be there in twenty years if we want to do more footage of you. And we can do that.
0: And what's interesting is that all this is under our control. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So so we really become. What Black Box, beca- there's all kinds of analogies that I use, but what Black Box really is, is an on-ramp and an off-ramp for creators to get to the community, to get to other creators, because creators are fucking awesome. We are fucking awesome. 100%. And, and, and we're being forced to compete with each other like tooth and nail for shitty rates and, and you know, losing control. And even when we think we have control, we don't have control. So I believe we need to work together. I believe we need to come together globally. And for the first time in history, we have the technology to do that. All we need is the structure and the platform. And so, yeah, I think we built it, like I really do. And I think our commitment is to creators and to content. Those are, those are the keys for me. Content is absolutely the most important thing. And making sure that the people that make the content are have an opportunity to be treated fairly by the market, is really what drives me when I gotta get, get out of bed every day. And by the way, as an individual and as a creator and as a human being, I'm actually so much happier now doing this black box thing than I was running my production company. This is the best thing ever. I'm having such a good time. I mean, I never would have met you, right? If, if yeah. we hadn't have done this unless we were yeah. competing on a gig or something and and, <laughs> and then I got to undercut you to win it because the client is only only <laughs> concerned about price and then you hate me right so you know fuck that that's not how I want to live I don't know about you but that's not how I want to
0: live I think um like just from my personal experience, because uh, like I, I've been in Berlin for two years now. Before that, I was in UK, so I lived in London for about like uh, I think seven, eight years mm-hmm. or something. And when I just started off fresh in, in the industry, then, you know, and started like doing my freelance work, uh, you know, full time, e- either doing audio stuff or or film stuff, that th- that was the main issue. You know, like I just felt like there was a lot of um, our our industry is is a competitive industry, but it was like it got to the point where it was like. It, was, it got really ugly, you know, like no one was kind of respecting each other and everyone was kind of like um, dumping their price and all kinds of like rather than becoming like a community, you start creating like rivals and enemies and things.
1: Absolutely. Like that. But but you know what? That's that's human history. OK, like any time your livelihood is threatened and it doesn't matter if you're on the savannah or if you're in the Arctic or if you're in New York City. Anytime human beings have their livelihoods threatened, they become factionalized, they become highly competitive and they get mean. So you know, we need to avoid that and there's no reason for it as long as we make that transition from work to product. So when you make that transition from work to product, you're going to change your life. It's not gonna happen overnight. So when you join Black Box and you throw 200 clips up, that's not gonna change your life. Okay, you need to build a big body of work and you need to concentrate and you need to work really, really fucking hard. Like you really do. This is not candy. It's not free candy. It's hard to do this work and you have to do it well. And how will you do it better is by collaborating. So for instance, I'll tell you about myself. I can edit. I can edit fine, right? But it's not the first thing that I want to do when I get up in the morning. So I end up sitting on many hard drives of stuff that I'm like, oh, I got to get to that. I got to get to that. And my wife is the one that said to me, Pat, you're so stupid. Like, give this to a collaborator. That's what your platform does. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, yeah she's <laughs> right. But we have that human tendency, right, not to let that go, right? So, yeah, so I've actually engaged a curator for all my stuff. And uh, and it's going so much easier. Because honestly, when I get up in the morning, I want to put on my hiking boots and grab my tripod and camera and go look for whatever I'm looking for that day uh, and because I, I gravitate to nature stuff. Uh, now, here's another example, though. Like, let's say... Um, and I'm doing this by the way. I want to do a series about families. Okay, I want to do a yeah, families. Family, family activities. So, young children, older children, whatever, um, older people, just families. So, in this case, we have to have a, a bigger team. I need a bigger uh, production team so I can make better looking images. Uh, I need somebody to edit. We've got to compensate the people, the models, or the actors, as the case may be. Right? So, we're giving it up a lot. And actually my share may go down as low as 20% for doing this. Well, some people find that a hard pill to swallow, right? And I think this almost goes back to the, uh, well, I'm gonna say something that photographers are gonna think is, is, is pretty, pretty bad, but I think it's true. Photographers are generally lone wolves. So they really want to control every aspect of what they do. And sometimes that'll shoot you in the foot. But filmmakers can't be like that. Okay, filmmakers need to be collaborative, but I think that the new generation of millennials who have been trained to do DIY, to do it all themselves, are finding it hard sometimes to realize that sharing the revenue is the best way to be successful on Blackbox, because you get your content to market faster and you can make better content. So. I get this from people all the time. Well, I want to control my content. And one of the negative things that people find about Black Box, and I don't mind talking about it, is that they lose their brand identity because we contribute to these, these marketplaces as black box guild. So but I think people are overestimating their brand power in the marketplace for stock, to be honest. Most buyers just don't care who made it. And if they like black box guild, they'll search it again as a contributor. And uh so You know, what I would say to those people is, you know, try not to overemphasize the power of your personal brand in a commodified market. I think those two things are actually not well aligned. Um, Your personal brand is very valuable in a highly customized market. Okay. And that was the life that we lived for years. We were identified as being, you know, high quality practitioners. So therefore, word of mouth would work for us and we would get calls on jobs. But in a commodified global market, the guy in Kuala Lumpur who's buying your leopard clip doesn't care who made it. He doesn't care. He right. <laughs> he just wants a leopard clip, and uh, and that's all there is to it. So you know we don't want to be you know cynical about this, but this is what we've learned. So you're actually when you give up your brand identity uh, in terms of market. What you gain with Black Box is community affinity, and we call it the power of the collective. So there is there's, there's some stuff about this that uh, that is really important. First of all, when we have a large, diverse portfolio, we have more market power, and we see more market power in terms of of, uh, of the prices that we can get for our content. And secondly, the searchability of our content. Okay, so being part of the collective may, means that. Your content will be uh, more searchable you 're going to get more favorable search returns on the agencies by being part of that collective It gives you more power. It also gives us more power in other regards and actually we 're going to be announcing uh, a new subset of what we do very soon that is going to make you it 's going to blow your head off actually because it 's going to give you a lot more mar- a lot more power in the collective in terms of the things that you need to do well so the power of the collective. Really helps you in the market. In the market, it helps you do better work. It helps you learn more. Um, I mean, if you go to our Facebook group, I think it's the least toxic Facebook group I've ever been in.
0: I was literally just about to say the same right? thing. I feel like when I got on the group, I just felt like it was super. like it. It was very, very different. It was very, very unique just because, you know, people were all on the same page and stuff. It's, well, um, everybody's
1: fighting for survival, right? So every, Yeah, yeah, And even exactly. when, when we try to promote <laughs> black box on some of those groups, we get flamed like you wouldn't believe. You know, people just flame us and they say, I'm a snake oil salesman and I'm, I've got a pyramid scheme and all kinds of really negative stuff. Because they feel threatened in some way. And, and I, f- I think that's really sad, right? So, again, our philosophy is to provide opportunity for individual creators to do things differently. But, you know, getting back to the point about the community, like when people do come into our community, we welcome them with open arms. We also make sure that, that other people are aware of them. And again, you know, like we, we've all been trained in the past three to five years to be very protective, right? To say, oh, I don't want to give up my trade secrets. I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing. But at the same time, you do want people to know what you're doing so that your clients can see what you're up to, but you don't want people hacking your ideas. And it's just become this really scary kind of, you know, I call it the illusion of freedom. There's an illusion of freedom there that um, I think we can do much, much better. And the only way we can actually... I believe, and this is just my opinion, is by by going with our tendencies to be cooperative and collaborative rather than competitive and mean spirited.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, because like with black books, the to eat, to just join the platform it's basically it free is. there's no cost isn't it yeah there's z- yeah it's zero it's basically yeah. zero you know and before we did this podcast you know we spoke you know a while ago and what i was telling you was basically you created a platform for users where you created zero friction i love that and i love people that can term. literally zero friction you upload your stuff and then you know if you work hard you know it's not as you said it's not just like you just upload and then suddenly you start making money you know but you have to kind of think long term work hard And then also, you know, be engaging like with, with the, with the community that you created and, and we make money off this, you know, and this is what I find fascinating with your, with your platform. And, and now that you even told me saying that when you try to post in other groups and stuff, you know, it's not like saying, Hey guys, join my platform. It's 9.99 every month. You know, it's like, it's free. You know, it says, it's not even like you're, you're, you're trying to like convert people or something like that. You know, just saying like, this is what it is. Come check it out, you know, and
1: well, that brings that brings up an, an interesting point because we do get. I mean, you're going to get negative response on anything that you do in the world, uh, but um, you know, a lot of people. Like the fact that we charge a commission on the back end only, and I do want to clarify for your listeners: uh, when we say we take fifteen percent, that's not fifteen percent of the gross sale; it's actually fifteen percent of the net sale. So whatever we get from the agencies, uh, the share, the contributors share, we take fifteen percent of that. So on a hundred dollar sale on Shutterstock at retail, uh, Blackbox takes six bucks. So you know that's six percent of the gross sale. And uh, as time goes on, we'll hope to, um, hope to improve that. So, you know, we're not gouging or anything like that. We think it's fair. Now, moving forward, you know, it's possible that we might go to a subscription model that is more advantageous for the users. So we may do that in the future. And, yeah, we'll take some flack f- from it if we make the transition. But we're not going to do that until we have more value for users and that's what I was kind of hinting at earlier. We're working on a on kind of a companion uh, product, if you will, uh, that is going to really blow your mind. So uh, when that happens, I think we, we're going to consider going to a subscription model. But we're going to go to the contributors and ask them what they think and, uh, and see if it's of value to them. Because, again, the bottom line is if we, don't, if, we don't, if we don't present value to people, then they shouldn't join. You know, bottom line. And we're going to help you, by the way. Like a big part of our mandate is actually really getting uh, uh, involved, heavily involved in uh, learning resources so that people can get better at what they do because if they're better at what they do, they do better work and everybody makes more money. So, and make no mistake, this isn't a social club, this is business. Like everybody, we want people to make money. We're not here as a benevolent society for creators. That's not what we are. we are. We want you to make money. We want you to have a better life, and we want you to make an impact in your community. And this brings up a really great point as well. <clears throat> Sorry, now you got my juices going. <laughs> but we also believe and, we, and and we know that this platform has no biases, okay? We don't care where you're from, the color of your skin, where you worship, what your gender is there is no bias none right it all comes down to the content and that's it and there's no preference based on relationships you know we always say you know it's not it's not who you know or it's not what you know it's who you know right in black box that's not true it's actually what you make that is the most important thing right so I think that's just fascinating. So we can actually present a an economic opportunity to the creator who lives in Nairobi that is the same opportunity that the person that lives in Brooklyn. It's the same opportunity that the person who lives in London has. So it's truly international, it's truly global and it's truly egalitarian. And, you know, some people have accused me of being, you know, kind of a, a left winger. Well, as a creator, you know what? I am definitely on the left in terms of some of my my political thinking. But I'm a businessman, so I'm firmly on the right when it comes to business. But I don't think that business needs to be usury. And and I think that the next generation of business will actually be opportunity-driven rather than commodity, cheap labor, you know, go for the cheapest labor price at all costs. Like, you know, even manufacturers are going to cheap labor markets constantly because they need an edge, right? That's, that's what all these trade negotiations are all about. But Blackbox sits way above that. Like, we are not regional. I'm from Canada, but Blackbox is not a Canadian organization. Blackbox is a global organization. And that's the way we designed it, and that's the way I think we need to behave and adapt for a sustainable future for creators,
0: and just to follow up with with that um wh- i know you briefly touched upon this um you know when, when we started the podcast but where do you see black box within let's say the next three years or so because i know at the moment you guys are just handling like footages and things um but i, I think um on the website Ed, there's also a section where you guys want to expand to like music and things like that so i'm just wondering are you guys uh, gonna be expanding that anytime soon or even like photo stocks and things like
1: that well you know what I don't think we're ever going to do photo, and, and if we ever do photo, it's going to be highly curated um, right. because photo has become photo has actually been become its own worst enemy in terms of pricing. We're starting to see some indications that, that there is some downward price pressure on stock footage too, but uh, we're going to see how that goes because I think stock footage I, – I don't think that just anybody can succeed in stock footage – and I don't think just anybody can succeed in photo either. But photo has become a very, very crowded space. It, we're going to see how these dynamics work out. But I think that well-crafted footage done by teams of high-end practitioners will have value for many, many years to come. Commodified footage of blades of grass or ducks in a pond. Yeah, that's going to be crowded because that's the first thing that you know newbies go out and do. Right? No, it is. Like, honestly, I see it. I see the content coming in. And, you know, uh, kind of like amateur slash pro uh, footage creators, they all do the same thing and they all make the same mistakes. But part of our responsibility is to actually recognize that and help them along their way to become more collaborative, to build their skills, to hone their skills, to learn more and to be better at it. Because that's in everybody's interest when we do that. Right, so yep. we don't look at it as, oh my God, somebody's shooting bears; they're competing with me. I need to do something about this. No, not at all. I want I want more people to do that mm-hmm. because it's going to create a richer uh, ecosystem and environment. So, just to ask, answer your question, our ambition is to create blockbuster feature films that are creator owned. Period. We want to do blockbuster music that is creator owned. We want to do animated series that are creator-owned. We want to do uh, drama series that are creator-owned. We want to do, and I'm sorry, I'm using the wrong term. We want black boxers to do, not me. We want black boxers to make blockbuster movies, blockbuster uh, music uh, albums or individual pieces of music. We want black boxers to make animated series, to make drama series, to make the best YouTube videos out there to do comedy, to do um, even visual effects, uh, you know, et cetera. Uh, What else can they do? They can do gaming, right? Because gaming is a commodified labor market. I don't know how much you know about this, but it's not a great job to be a game coder anymore. It's commodified. The same market forces are are at play, right? This is affecting content creators at every single level. Actually, I was listening to this podcast the other day about art, and, and how art has been commodified. It's happening at every single level. This is not a trend. This is a new reality. We have to adapt our thinking and we have to take ownership of our content and we have to do it collaboratively and we have to work together. And so the, my future for Blackbox is that we have many, many people involved on the platform. Right? So we have a good platform that works really, really well. We have a good concept and now... Where because we didn't want to see explosive growth w- while the platform was unproven. That would be completely disingenuous for our users and it would counter our objective to make life easier for them. We don't want to make life harder and we don't want to fail. So we took our time. I mean, I honestly see this whole enterprise potentially as a global co-op. I think that's something that we can take a look at So, you know, if we've got members who are listening, I would love to get the feedback on that to see what they think. Because really, uh, you know, it's a very, very powerful concept. It's a very powerful platform. And what we want is for people to be part of the evolution so that the creators can have better lives. I know I keep saying that, but it is the objective. When creators have better lives, we'll have a very successful platform, but we will also have a better world. Okay, we Definitely. are the people who can probably make the biggest difference on the planet if we work together. If we put our minds to uh, helping with climate change, which I personally believe, well, we're fucked if we don't do something about this, like right fucking now.
0: I'm with you on that. <laughs> okay?
1: And I don't see any energy companies really making the movements they need to make. I certainly don't see political action to the degree that we need. Like we need to make changes today or we're going to be underwater in 50 years. That's just the fact. And if you want to know more, go look up Dr. Stephen Chu, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-C-H-U at Stanford University and look at at what he's got going. Um, This guy totally gets it. So what I would like to be able to do as black boxers is go to Dr. Stephen Chu and say, hey, doctor. We wanna make 5,000 videos about this and get it all over the world so that we can make an impact. We want to actually uh, create lobbying videos for people that are trying to get this done. And we wanna do it as black boxers. And here's a really cool thing about that. You deploy a global team to go out and do that assignment, right? And they own the content. So not only do they get to change the world, they get to make money because they made the content and they own the content. Think about that. This is hugely powerful stuff, right? So if we want to focus in, even locally, like let's just say you're in Berlin and let's say there's a social aid agency there that you want to support, whatever it is, right? And you say to them, hey man, uh, we'd like to do some work with you. We own the content, you get 10% of the proceeds, But as a a donation, we're going to make a video for you that is going to help you with your social media messaging. So now you're not taking work away from anybody because that agency is never going to hire a video production company to do anything. They don't have any money, right? So you can actually go in and extract value from their situation for them and for you and change their situation and possibly, you know, help them do better in terms of the donations that they're getting or the stakeholders that they know. Like we've got so many plans for this part of Black Box because the thing is, we go back to, you know, when I talked about what creators are, well, they're also very benevolent and generous and kind. So if we can give creators, an, uh, if we can change creators from being worried about the next gig, worried about their competition, worried about how they're going to pay their bills, right, and then turn them into being worried about social causes, Concerned about quality and finding the next wonderful opportunity to up their game. I see this as a very, I mean, I am idealistic. I get that. A lot of people tell me I'm too idealistic, but I don't think I am. <laughs> I think this is 100% possible and we're doing it. So creators, join in, like be part of this because it really can change your whole life.
0: And for the listeners out there, um, if you guys haven't joined Black Box, do join Black Box. I'm going to put in the, put all the links in the description below or whatever directory that you're listening to. But, um, Pat, j- just before we, we wrap up, we're just going a little bit over time. But just before we wrap up, I just um, what is it that uh, you would like to say before we wrap up to our Black Box listeners or people who are about to join Black- the Black Box community? Well, I think anything.
1: that the, the real message that I want to give to people and the, the central message is You can have the freedom that you crave. You will have to adapt because the world has changed and it's not changing back. And if you look at what we're doing at blackbox.global, so www.blackbox.global, and it appeals to you, by all means, we would love to have you involved. And we are going to change the world. So if you want to join us and be part of that change, let's go, man.
0: Pat, thank you very much for joining um, my podcast. It has been super insightful and super interesting to hear your story and, um, and the Black Box community and all that kind of stuff. So again, thank you very much for being a part of um, my podcast and uh, sharing your, your thoughts and things.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure.